The following program is filled with life-sustaining information for being a good human being. It's also full of shaming for bad humans. Sprinkle in an abundance of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and the rest of the Lucky Charms alphabet, and you have the Gay BC Happy Hour. Hosted by a couple of fabulous unicorns who just can't help themselves from farting glitter wherever they go. Ladies and gentlemen, and those with pronouns I'm still learning about, here are your bi, coastal friends, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Hello, and welcome to the happy hour. Uh, hope your Thursday is going well so far um, as we are cruising into autumn. Uh, how are you doing over there, Johnny Mac? I am fantabulous. Good, good. I must admit, I'm 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 sort of cu- coming down from the clouds uh, today. Um, I I recently went on a little bit of a shopping spree and bought a bunch of cookbooks, and I've been just reading and thinking about food all evening. So trying to get my head screwed on straight or not so straight to uh, to do the happy hour today. Now, now, for the last year or so, I've known you to be a avid consumer of one of those package services that comes with usually like eight or ten meals mm-hmm. uh, to your door for the week. And uh, which one was that? A factor. 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 That's right. Yeah. And they look pretty doggone good. And I've seen some of the stuff that you've that you have uh, had for your at least for your uh, evening uh, nutrients. But now you're kind of transitioning back into doing your own thing in the kitchen again, huh? I am. Uh, and it's been fun. Um, you know, sourcing ingredients is really uh, a pleasure. We have up here in the Hudson Valley, we have a bunch of great farms. Uh, both for veggies and for meats um, and di- great dairies. And so uh, that's been, it's fun. Um, and uh, the only thing is sometimes I do find myself, um, especially on a midweek evening, uh, without some necessary ingredients to actually put together an actual meal. So tonight was a little bit of uh, raiding the fridge and putting some leftovers on a plate and uh, supplementing it with some, you know, bread and butter. But uh, you know, it's all fun. Of course. At least you like, uh, like, like Charlie and I. You do like leftovers. I have an oh, yeah. uncle. In fact, the person who kind of drugged me into the radio business when I was a wee tot. Um, he didn't believe in leftovers. In fact, my dad and I used to laugh endlessly about the fact that Bill, he always referred to it as used food. And he could <laughs> not sink down to eating used food. I'm like, yeah, but you were the one who used it. You know, it's funny. Uh, I feel like you gave us a, a natural segue into our topic, first topic for the week, because used food is a great way to describe some of the flotsam and jetsam <laughs> that were on the stage this week for the second Republican debate. <laughs> Can I play something before we get into our conversation about that? Because I think in about two minutes and 38 seconds, we can give everybody what they fortunately, I hope, we're not a- having to watch last night. Here are some of the highlights of that 
shit show that they had on the Fox <laughs> Business News Channel last night. Joe Biden should not be on the picket line. He should be on the southern border working to close our southern border because it is unsafe, wide open, and insecure. Look, I do disagree with something Tim Scott just said. Joe Biden doesn't belong on a picket line. He belongs on the unemployment line. As president of the United States, I'll be standing with workers all across America, and I'll be standing for the right to work of every American to join a union or not join a union as they decide. If the government shuts down, should voters blame populist Republicans? Voters should blame everybody who's in Washington, D.C. Where's Joe Biden? He's completely missing in action from leadership. And you know who else is missing in action? Donald Trump is missing in action. He should be on this stage tonight. He owes it to you to defend his record where they added $7.8 trillion to the debt. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight. Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? So first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, We are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars, so we need to stop playing these games. There is not a redeeming quality in slavery. He and Kamala should have just taken the one sentence out. I have a radical idea for the Republican Party. We need to win elections. And part of how we win elections is reaching the next generation of young Americans where they are. So when I get into office, I've been very clear. Kids under the age of social, under the age of 16, should not be using addictive social media. This is infuriating because TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps that we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. You've gone and you've helped China make medicines in China, not America. You're now wanting kids to go and get on the social media that's dangerous for all of us. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden $5 million. We can't trust you. Wow. No, no, Nikki. Wow, wow, wow. We can't trust any of you. And it's, it's amazing. I actually saw an interview this morning on MSNBC Morning Joe that they had with Chris Christie this morning who was back at the Reagan Library out in Simi Valley, California. And and he he got, they shot at him a little bit. Um, even though he's kind of a friend of their show, they uh, asked him, why in the hell, after yesterday, with all the stuff, that the news that broke, um, between the Mark Milley should be executed comments and the comments... Uh, or not the comments, but the uh, actions of the court in New York State that nailed Trump yesterday in terms of his corporate existence Mm -hmm. and that fraud, Uh, why nobody last night on on the stage of any of the seven candidates addressed those issues with regards to Mr. Trump? And... uh, and it's as though they just want to bury that because they know that 
it is a black eye for the GOP and, and really for a lot of the candidates who stood by and defended him and said that if he were to win, in spite of uh, any felony conviction, that they would support him to continue to be president. So um, in that exchange this morning on Morning Joe, uh, Governor Christie he said, I can't believe that you're attacking me for this when I'm the only one who's on the stage last night attacking him on all sorts of issues. So, you know, I mean, yeah, you can give credit where credit's due, the fact that Christie's the only one who had some balls up there. But the rest of them were all just a bunch of crybabies. What I could not find today, all day, was I could not find the um, the story uh, or the video clip that I saw last night in one of the reviews or heard last night. Uh, I actually heard it in my car because I had it on the satellite radio. Um, And what I heard was Pence being uh, asked a question by the Univision moderator who was there last night uh, about uh, how he where he stood in terms of protecting or taking action to protect LGBTQ people uh, considering the fact that the amount of v- uh, uh, violent actions against people in our community were going through the roof, and that LGBTQ people were uh, nine times more likely than anybody else to be assaulted, so he responded that you know well when he's he's president he will uh, he will stand up against any you know, any action of people assaulting people because of who they are. But then in the next breath, seriously, in the next breath, he turned right around and defended the fact that as soon as he's president, he will make sure that there is no protections for trans people. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Even Rachel Maddow called that out last night on the air and said, that is absolutely ludicrous. But he's just who he is. He can't, I mean, he's not comfortable even... Even even sort of saying the kind of bland platitude, the kind of generic platitude of I will protect everyone, he needs to go to his safe space, yeah. which is actually about um, bigotry and hatred. I mean, he is he is one he's been a longtime stalwart, you know, just kind of, you know, revanchist derriere guard person when it comes to the <laughs> LGBTQ community. Um, and so. You know, I love that that question was posed to him, but, you know, of course he had to pivot away and and actually try to turn it into a little bit of a, you know, culture war cudgel because, um, you know, that's the language that they speak. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was definitely something I'm glad I didn't waste my time watching in real time and was able to just see a few, you know, clips here and there afterwards of the, you know, the storm that brood you know was exactly what i would expect and as i saw other people other you know experts and moderators and whatnot who were on panel shows today speaking about um it was indeed uh a race for second and that you know as chris christie put it this morning he said every one of them up there except for me they're all running for vice president they all want to kiss his ass, and they want to be his vice president. He said nobody's up there, you know, doing anything to knock him out. And he said, and the thing is, is that there is no second place. There's only last place. 
He's like, you know, if you don't win at this stage, you're not in, and you're not going to be in. Mm-hmm. And and he's right. And God, thank God that they say all this stuff in front of the American people. Thank God well, they they expose their truth, and that rational um, people who are moderates, who are independents, who are you know left of center, who are even right of center, and oppose uh, certain uh, policy initiatives like theirs uh, with regards to women's reproductive rights and so on and so forth say you know screw this i am not going to go through this i'm gonna have to suck it up again and we're not going to learn those people who are on the so-called republican side or the conservative side are not going to learn until they turn off uh you know any sort of support for these wackadoodles that are you know that are doing these extremist things and supporting these extremist views because as long as that continues it can't win except in primary elections it's just i mean the thing is they're they're living in this kind of complete magical thinking fantasy world um that that posits that there is a race for the republican presidency and they're all kind of like playing at president and and you know, or playing at being a viable candidate for president. And I think realistically what they're doing is they're just, they're getting campaign donations. They're, they're trying to increase their, you know, their social capital. None of them are brave. None of them are interesting. Um, And it's, you know, and I think, you know, we'll see where it goes, but um, assuming that Trump is the presumptive Republican candidate, I could see him very happily not picking any of these, you know, bootlickers to be his vice president. He'll pick someone else. He'll probably pick Eric Trump or something, you know, (laughs) Um, but he's not, you know, none of them are going to do themselves any favors by being sort of talking at half measures, trying to kind of seem interesting while not turning off the MAGA crowd. It's just it. It's 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 really sad to see so many people just kind of um, give up any even even give up kind of a sense of ego <laughs> in order to just exist in the current Republican Party. Yeah, is Eric even old enough? <laughs> you have to be forty. Is he forty? Uh, he's got to be. Yeah, he, I mean, I mean, I, I know that Junior is, but. I was sure, I'm sure Eric was out of his is it, is it 40? Yeah. Is it 40? Yeah, okay. because if if the president, you know, croaks, you have to assume the power and you have to be 40 years old to be president. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I, I always yeah. I'm bad with numbers, so I wasn't sure if it's 40 or 35 or 70 or is, whatever. Maybe it is 35. But maybe I'm uh, wrong I'm, about that. It could I, be 35. I do think that he is of he is he is of age, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> or he'll just pick. I mean, he'll pick someone. He'll I mean, just ridiculous. I never um, thought about that. But I mean, you're absolutely right because he very easily could have you know said he wanted you know his incest victim to you know run with him, and she'd have probably done it in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it it wouldn't surprise. It honestly, wouldn't surprise me yeah. to keep things in the in house. Um, you know, I will briefly say uh, that we have had a little bit of um, 
a little bit of schadenfreude <laughs> this week with the summary judgment uh, determination in terms of the Trump uh, business fraud case. And uh, looks like all of the LLCs that were involved in, you know, financial misstatements are canceled. So uh, that's going to be an interesting, an interesting twist on things. Yeah, it was funny seeing a lot of people flashing that meme around on uh, social media yesterday that had changed the letters to saying, uh, uh, what is it, Letitia... Um, Tower. <laughs> yeah, what's her last name? Is it Jones? No. Uh, uh, Letitia James. James. Letitia James Tower. You know, on yeah. Fifth Avenue there. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, or, or or they could just turn it into one of those spirit Halloween stores, you know? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Since we are at that time of year. Um, but yeah, um, I'm glad I didn't watch. Um, you know, I watched some clips earlier today of the debate, and I think you picked out a few salient uh, actual statements. Most of it sounded like a cage full of macaws talking over one another. Um, and was unlistenable. So uh, we didn't miss much. <laughs> exactly. Well, what I is glad that I didn't miss was an appearance today by our president. Uh, and he was speaking with a group of people at the Arizona State University John uh, McCain Center. And it was really an amazing conversation. We'll talk about that and another nut job from Arizona as we continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Max. Stay with us. From GBC.com, this is the Happy Hour. With your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Howdy, howdy, partners. Howdy, partner. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the happy hour. I got And uh, tell you, you've ever had one of those situations where a friend of yours disappears and you're not sure where they are? And you worry because it's mm -hmm. very unlike them. And during uh, our break, I just got a phone call that finally, after weeks, set my heart at ease to know that somebody is still okay, but just out of touch right now. So, oh, good. Okay, yeah, glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah no, that's makes life that a lot a easier. Thing. Yes. Um. So before we uh, went to the the break, we were talking about, of course, the craziness of last night's fight for second place in the GOP. And today, uh, the current president of the United States kicked some ass this afternoon. He was in uh, Tempe, Arizona, at Arizona State University, addressing uh, a lot of people and talking uh, in a very, uh, I think, a very positive uh bipartisan way and talking about his friend John McCain but also um, he finally came out with his gloves on and uh, duked a couple of times 
the former president of the United States in talking about the future for democracy in our country. And if you didn't get to see it, um, please check the news and the coverage of that today. Because for those people who think that um, that old Joe is Sleepy Joe and is incapable of doing what needs to be done right now, I walked away with a very different feeling after listening to the president this afternoon. Um, and uh, it he even handled a, a uh, person, a heckler, in the crowd in a way that I think that the left handles things and the right doesn't. So rather than telling, basically telling the crowd when the guy spoke up and started interrupting them, rather than telling them to, uh, you know, to take care of that guy and don't worry, he'll pay the legal bills for, you know, any physical damage done to him, uh, he told the guy, look, as soon as I'm done speaking, you're the first person I'm going to come out there and we'll have a conversation. You know, I want to hear what you have to say, but please don't interrupt me while I'm doing this. And I remember a similar moment to that at uh, the HRC National Dinner when President Clinton was the first uh, sitting president to address an LGBTQ uh, rights organization. Um, And I was there that night and somebody similar did something like that. And that's exactly how Clinton handled him, too. So, I mean, there is a decorum for dealing with having dialogue with people who don't necessarily agree with one another but uh once again you know the the right shows its uh well i guess its tendency to be rude so yeah that said speaking of rude in arizona there's paul gosar yeah so paul gosar who is um a proud kind of uh, a proud insurrectionist, um, a proud asshole too. Um, just you know, in his newsletter, um, kind of casually suggested that um, that Army General Mark Milley, uh, who is I think on the the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, right? He's yeah, the chairman. And is, he's stepping down. Is the chairman? Yeah. Is uh, is quote a homosexual promoting BLM activist. And says that um, in a different time, uh, he would be hanged for, you know, for his actions and, you know, kind of leaned into uh, the, you know, among other things, uh, his promotion, you know, because it is actually the policy of the U.S. government and the armed forces to be respectful and mindful of people of any, you know, of different gender identities and sexual orientations, but suggested that, you know, maybe he should just be hanged. Um, and, you know, I, I read, I, you know, I read in, in a, I think in, in the same piece or similar piece that Trump had actually kind of made sort of a similar comment. And I just, you know, it, there's something there are no boundaries anymore. Trump really just kind of kind of just took all the fetters off of any kind of like realistic, you know, discourse, you know, sort of uh, any moderation of discourse. But, um, you know, suggesting that, uh, you know, an, an, a decorated army general who is currently, you know, uh, in charge of, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff should be hanged. It's just 
is gross um and you know and just throwing around things like homosexual promoting i mean what is this 1953 we're we're using terms like homosexual promoting blm activist i mean it's just this guy is stupid first of all but um you know just well his it, it family has already the, the told kind of the coarsening of discourse his family's already told the the electorate in arizona you know, of the problems they've had with him with regards to his mental health. And, I mean, they're serious mental health issues. And not to pick on anybody because of a mental health issue, but when it hasn't been addressed and he's acting, uh, you know, batshit crazy, you know, people need to listen. And yet he still was elected. And it's it just makes me shake my head how dumb a lot of voters in our country are. And well, you know, I think that there's this 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 is yes, that's true. And I think it it goes to a couple things. One is that um, people are are there are some people are attracted to drama and craziness. And just find it like they basically treat politics as entertainment. And to the extent someone is outrageous, that suits their fancy. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I mean, a lot of those people that you're referring to, Richie, they're the kind of people who just they don't care. They just want the whole government yeah. to be burnt to the ground. Exactly. So we're going to continue with more on the GBC Happy Hour. Thanks for being along with us this week with... Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about some good news on the Gavin Newsom, governor of California front with our community. Uh, he's doing something that, well, has done something that is great, but look for there to be legal challenges. Stay with us. From GayBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, on uh, on the topic we were talking about before the break, um, you know, one of the things because it actually also taught, sort of has to do with what you were talking about with, with Biden speech is um, people, there are certain people who are drawn to just kind of chaos and sort of gotcha moments and kind of these, this kind of inflammatory discourse, whether on both sides, I, I think especially on the right, but on both sides for sure. But, um, you know, I think that there's, there's something to be said about the fact that, the act of governance can be boring and should be decent. And I think that what's really ups what really is frustrating to me is that Joe Biden seems to be, if nothing else, extremely decent person and someone committed to kind of government as um, as you know an, an, uh, a lifestyle and as like a and as something that should be done well. Um, and, the fact that he's not interest that's not interesting enough is a bummer to me. Like people want someone with razzle dazzle. They want charisma. And I get that, but 
you know, at some point you have to just look at what at what the work is. And sometimes the work doesn't the work needs someone to be actually doing the work. I mean, Trump, for all of his, you know, when he was in in, in office, for all of his constant babbling and twittering and stuff didn't actually do much because he was so busy just talking and he didn't actually staff things right he kind of allowed things to kind of hollow out and we have the opposite now we have a a fully staffed up quality government doing work quietly and well (laughs) that should be a thing people are happy about exactly and people so anyway uh you know we, we we have other things to talk about, but I just like that's something that just sticks with me is that people should really want their government to work well. And sometimes that's not interesting, but that's the point. Yeah. I mean, um, and speaking of governments working well, um, Governor Newsom signed uh, a few bills uh, this week uh, that are protective of LGBTQ youth um, and awesome i'm he, glad you he know. did come under attack for one that he had also um vetoed but he claimed uh that the measure um uh that supposedly sought to protect trans and gender fluid kids uh that it would actually backfire on that so you know i i think he does his homework on these things and yeah and he a lot of times will tell people you know, lawmakers to bring them back to him when uh, this issue or that one is corrected so that it doesn't have an unintended consequence. But yeah, yeah there were uh, a few bills that he uh, did sign. Um, for instance, uh, one of the four bills uh, requires foster families to demonstrate their willingness to meet the needs of potential foster children regardless of their sexual orientation or gender identity and um, uh, requirement which is similar to one that was demanded of parents in child custody disputes that that we just mentioned that he had vetoed last Friday. This is according to reporting from Mm LGBTQNation.com. Tell me about the other couple. Do you have that information, Richie? The other, the other, um, the other bills. Yeah. yeah. So one, um, it, it creates like an advisory team on LGBTQ issues in education to kind of report back on what, you know, basically LGBTQ youth kind of need or want, um, in terms of being, you know, tr- treated properly in education. Um, another one, uh, requires uh within a certain number of years um all schools you know uh, public schools at least to have a gender neutral bathroom by i think 2026 um and i forget the other one but you know they're they're all kind of just again um you know as opposed to uh places like florida and some other states where they're trying to kind of erase the idea that gay people exist from schools entirely um, you know, California is going in the, in the other direction and being like, okay, we acknowledge that, that gay and, you know, lesbian and transgender kids exist. How can we make their lives at least a little bit better? Because, you know, kids are going to be rough no matter what, but let's actually like be responsive to the, the, the children who are in our charge. 
So yeah, Governor um, Newsom, who I think you're going to see as a candidate for um, the Democratic uh, bid for the president of the United States in the next four years, uh, <clears throat> he did issue a statement saying that California is proud to have some of the most robust laws in the nation when it comes to protecting and supporting our LGBTQ plus community, and we're committed to the ongoing work to create safer, more inclusive spaces for all Californians. These measures will help protect vulnerable youth, promote acceptance, and create a more supportive environments in our schools and communities. Yeah. No, I mean, this is, you know, we're, 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 we're seeing this, like, really um, this extreme kind of separation of you know of of the united states into states that don't really look like the, like the other ones at all um you know you have southern a lot of southern states you know in florida and you have some states in the sun belt um that are kind of just rushing backward you know rushing against kind of the the arc of of progress um and then you have other states um you know on the on the west coast in the in the um you know in the northeast uh and some other states too that are progressing and you just see kind of like the 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 difference is almost like a whiplash because in one given week you know when we're reporting on these trans issues you have california kind of like striding ahead and then you see fresh new stuff coming out of you know Alabama or Florida um, that just you know takes your breath away. Um, but the thing with the Newsom with the with the bill about foster families and the, the willingness to meet the needs of the foster children, this reminded me of something we talked about on the show a, a few months ago. A Massachusetts family or a Massachusetts couple that. Um, was that was Catholic and was turned down from being foster parents or, you know, I think, or adoptive parents because they espoused anti-trans views. And when I heard that, that news story, my first thought was, okay, so they're teeing this up uh, to be a case in front of the Supreme Court. And now hearing that California is kind of uh, adopting a similar policy, I'm like, you know, you heard it here first, folks. Um, this is going to be an issue that is going to get teed up in front of the Supreme Court, whether or not public, uh, you know, governmental um, foster programs can require parents who want to do it uh, to, you know, to be okay with foster children regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. I can tell you my feeling is given our current Supreme Court that that will be struck down. That will be found to be violative of religious rights that people should, you know, that they're going to say that people should be able to be foster parents and have their sincerely held religious beliefs and if they want to, you know, force their foster children to, you know, have their beliefs, their you know, anti-gay, anti-trans beliefs crammed down their throats. That that's a-okay. So I'm, I'm, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I can just tell you that this this issue is going to trickle itself to the Supreme Court sooner rather than later. 
Most likely, yes. Because that's just um, how everything has to be decided these days. <clears throat> right, exactly. Um, and so, you know, when I saw that, I was like, you know, this is awesome. I'm, you know, it's great that California's kind of going in this direction. But, um, you know, it's 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 adding you know the more the the more states that have stuff like this the more cases are going to get teed up there's going to be cases you know uh in other states they're going to make a circuit split they're going to do all the things they have to do you know the these you know alliance defending freedom and all these different um right-wing uh legal institutes institutions are very good at getting bogus cases heard in front of this Supreme Court. You know, we've seen it happen time and time again. Uh, like the the website, you know, the gay website, marriage, gay, gay wedding website case. Total yeah. bullshit. No standing. It was ridiculous. That did not stop this Supreme Court from making a ruling that, you know, starts to chip away at the foundations of all kinds of um, – all kinds of, of precedent. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We want to invite your interaction with us. If you'd like to join us on the program, if you have a thought, uh, an opinion about something we're talking about, please feel free to jump into the mix at 760 uh, I'm sorry, 760 Seven zero one one one. That's seven six zero six seven seven zero one one one. And you'll hear the prompt tell you what to do before coming on the air. Uh, then it will advise you to press a particular key, and that will put you through to the studio. That's the way that we make sure uh, to tell you the truth. That's how we make sure that we're not getting those robocalls to our studio because you have to get through that first line but it's not a not an issue and you'll be able to hear the show while you're on hold before we put you on the air and uh, we'd love to add your voice to the mix of this conversation on the gbc happy hour always and every topic we talk about you're always welcome to call and again that number is 760-677-0111 i also want to take a moment to remind everybody richie that um, we did add a new website this past week and the site that you should probably go to to get to us right now is www.gabchappyhour.com g-a-y-b-c-h-a-p-p-y-h-o-u-r.com gabchappyhour.com that's our new home and Richie has all sorts of goodies on that uh, page where you can actually wear your GBC Happy Hour colors on any number of items, whether it be uh, glasses that you're, you know, pouring cocktails in, or it be, uh, you know, one of his favorite new things, the uh, GBC Chef apron, or it be a t-shirt or a hoodie, you know, sweatshirt, all kinds of stuff there with the GBC Happy Hour logo. So please check that out at gbchappyhour.com. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked when I shouldn't be shocked because he's the grand of all shock jocks. When I saw that uh, Anderson Cooper made a recent appearance on the Howard Stern show. Oh. So he uh, sat down with my former satellite radio colleague and, uh, 
And he got to talking about uh, how, you know, years before he actually decided to have a child, and he now has two sons, um, how his mother, who you know is uh, Gloria Vanderbilt, or mm-hmm. was, um, how she once offered to carry his child for him. Wow. Yeah. And uh, according to uh, the story that they published about this, also in LGBTQNation.com, uh, it says, to be clear, the late heiress, who was 85 years old at the time, was offering to be a surrogate for her out-broadcaster son. Cooper told the story on a recent episode of Stern's show on Sirius XM and uh, said that, quote, this was like eight years before I decided to have a child. Uh, Cooper, who is now the father of two young sons, said, but my mom really wanted me to have a kid, and she called me up one time, and she was like, honey, there's something I really need to talk to you about. She was like, well, the most amazing thing happened. I went to the gynecologist the other day, and Cooper recalled uh, noting that Vanderbilt was 85, uh, and he said his mother proceeded to tell him that her doctor had informed her that she was still able to bear a child. Oh, wow. He said <laughs> that uh, it left him, um, uh, you know, almost speechless from the crazy statements. Right. <laughs> you go, Gloria. That's a way to support your gay son. All right. That's going to do it for this segment, and we're going to continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour as we do. You know what we're going to get into next? Uh, it's going to be uh, a little discussion about Versace, but not Gianni this time. We're going to talk about Donatella and how she is responding to the nasty fascist prime minister of Italy. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. It's not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mac, but when it is, you'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean show. Boys... Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> um, yes, so uh, Versace or Versace, as you might say, um, no. if you were watching uh, Showgirls, let's say. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so this is a this is a good a good story. It's a, it's a little bit of a silver lining story, or at least a bravery story, <laughs> which is that Donatella Versace spoke out recently um, about a growing tide of anti-LGBTQ measures in Italy, um, and uh, you know I have to admit that I'm not super up on. Italian politics, um, you know, <laughs> the, the the name that comes to mind is Berlusconi, but he hasn't been, a, you know, sort of relevant for a long time. And it turns out that the current prime minister is someone named Georgia Maloney, who is of the conservative Brothers of Italy party. And there's been kind of a rash of anti-LGBTQ legislation kind of working its way through various levels of Italian government things, especially with um, removing the names of same-sex partners um, from birth certificates, uh, like the non-biological parent, um, stuff like that is going on. Um, And, you know, I I guess it makes sense in a sort of a country steeped in a lot of Catholic tradition um, that there that there is uh, some you know conservative anti-gay sentiment that kind of washes around, and when you have a conservative party in power, you start to see that you know sort of rear its ugly head. But Donatello Versace, you know, basically was like, this is not this is not sort of what we're about like you know basically saying um you know we're not moving forward you know this is not representative of what real you know real life is like now and um that 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 this is not what should be happening and i thought that was great you know obviously you know her her uh you know gianni uh had a huge influence on her and uh you know was a a very uh ebulliently gay person um, but you know, it, it's great to have someone who's as kind of emblematic of of Italian fashion and culture as Donatello Versace kind of speak out. I think is great, especially when you look at you know something like Dolce and Gabbana, and I forget whether it's Dolce or Gabbana. One of them it has a, a long history of sticking his foot in his mouth, and he said some weird stuff about um, about IVF and gay parenting and all kinds of stuff so you you've got you've got some other voices on the other side but i would you know just wanted to kind of call out donatella and just be like you know that's great um, well, i'm what, glad that you, you're doing this what you also have to remember is that a hundred years before she was elected um that party that organization the brothers of italy uh has always been this fringe far-right group um and that uh, you know, kind of the the grand poobah of all uh, back in 1922 was uh, Benito Mussolini, and you know, so they're all crazy fascists, just like the people who were mm-hmm. in the last uh, administration here in the United States. It's uh, it's a mess, and you know, I'm glad that she's using her celebrity and name to be out there and to call them out on their stuff. Yeah, we need, I mean, and the thing is like, you know, you bring up a good point, which is, um, there's, 
we kind of need to distinguish between in in this country at least between sort of conservatism small c conservatism and essentially authoritarianism because um you know i think that there is a you know there is a you know in the republican party there are conservatives um you know vanishingly small at this point um but you have people you know sort of old guard people like let's say a mitt romney or something um who are just essentially conservatives and small you know smaller government all that stuff um but when you think about um you know kind of where that party has gone in the kind of trump era um you know it's more about authoritarianism, these kind of, uh, you know, basically being intrusive when they want to be. It's not about hands off. It's about hands on when we want to put our hands on things. Right. You know, if if we want to erase gays from schools, we will stick our fingers in every school in the country. Whereas when, you know, when people on the left want to set broad standards for education, they freak out because, you know, they don't believe – they think education should be local, except when they don't. And so I think that it's important to kind of – you know, it, it, when you see kind of right-wing – um, fascistic movements in Europe, you have to say, well, how does this look similar to what's happening on the right here? Because there are echoes, and it's unfortunate, you know, that there that there's this kind of tie, you know, this the pendulum is swinging in certain places, including in this country, in terms of what um, people have an appetite for, in terms of authoritative, authoritarian, or fascistic type of tendencies. Yeah. You want some other good news this week? Uh, in sure. a five to two vote, the Michigan State Supreme Court ruled that all judges in the state must respect the pronouns of the parties that come before the court, and the rule was uh, imp- will be implemented uh, beginning on January first. And uh, while it does prevent judges from disrespecting a person's pronouns, it does allow them to refer to a party as attorney or plaintiff along with their last name, should they want to avoid pronouns altogether. And uh, according to uh, the decision, uh, quote, courts must use the individual's name, the designated situation, or personal pronouns, or other respectful means that is not inconsistent with the individual's designated salutation or personal pronouns. I can just see all of those crazy... uh, you know, people like the ones who tried to kidnap the the governor of the state up there. Uh, just I can see their heads exploding off their shoulders right now. Oh yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, this stuff, this the the pronoun stuff gets really interesting when it intersects with law and um and with with regulations because there there you know there's something that that I hadn't thought about until recently but is is a really interesting question or or at least um thing to think about which is death certificates um and so if someone is you know um like should what should a death certificate if someone is in the process of transitioning what should the death certificate say because death certificates at least at least um in, it, it depends state by state, but I know in New York, there's you know you have to list male, female. They also have an X 
which is um, which is sort of a non you know non binary specification, but is generally not applied unless someone has sought while they're living to have their ID set as you know as X. I see. So if someone is actually you know transitioned or or and they haven't finished their paperwork or you know they haven't actually done the, the that process yet, what should the what should the um, death certificate say? Um, you know, should it reflect uh, the, their intention, and how should the you know the medical examiner figure that out? Um, it's it becomes really it, it's complicated and interesting, and I think um, you know we're all kind of muddling through it together um, and trying to figure out a way that's that's respectful, but also kind of. Um, isn't that that we can apply in a um, in a uniform manner? So yeah. it's I, I think that that's a great thing that that you know they just kind of set a court rule and just said, you know, judges we <laughs> just follow the pronouns, just do it. Like right. you know um, whether you're an a, an old you know octogenarian codger who wants to call everyone Ms. You know or Miss uh, or Mister. Sorry, you just you know you got to suck it up. I love that. Yep. Good for us. Good news for us. I like when we get to deliver uh, something that, you know, uh, our side, which wants equality for all, to, you know, gets to win and, you know, move in the right direction rather than us always having to report, you know, some sort of god-awful, horrible news about you know somebody else who's got a problem with people who they don't even know yeah no i agree um and and uh if if those of you listening um heard what sounded like a house falling down i apologize my cats are on the other side of my office room door uh and are uh, are destroying the house so sorry we should, if you we heard should a, set you a up. big crash we should set you up with a uh, with wireless headphones and microphone so that you can um, report on action live from the scene of the <laughs> of the uh, events and just walk around your home during your show. <laughs> well, listen, stay with us because we have a whole other hour coming your way, and we're going to be talking about some bomb threats. Yeah, that's not such great news. But also um, some good news on the front of uh, things like Sex Education, the uh, hit Netflix series. And uh, one person from television who has written a new children's book called Gorgeously Me. It's nice to see the flip side of these Florida school districts that are ordering the removal of all books with gay characters. We'll talk about all that and more. Plus, we've got the cocktails coming up in our mixology segment and our suggestions or dissuasions for you in our seal of approval segment all that's still ahead in the hour coming up stay with us i bet you didn't know professional shows could use the f word well it depends on which ones you're talking about on the gay bc happy hour we roll with the times for instance johnny loves fantastic far out and even an occasional fuck richie he's okay with fella fuddy-duddy, and occasionally fist, depending on what you do with it. But they both draw the line at fag, because in fact, 
God does love fags. And Fred Phelps found out when he got to hell. Here are your F-bombs, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Welcome back, everyone, <laughs> to the second hour of the happy hour. Um, the happy hours, as the, as the case may be. The FABC um, Fappy Fower. The Fappy Fower. <laughs> um, I took a brief break um, to see what happened. My cats knocked down um, a, a framed piece of a uh, framed photograph and managed by doing that somehow to unplug uh, one of my speakers and, uh, and a nightlight. And I don't know what all was going on there, but, um, all is well here <laughs> now that that's been restored to restored to normalcy. Um, but, uh, to hop right into the segment, um, this segment, we have, uh, a new tactic. Well, it's not new, but a tactic that's, that seems to be increasing, um, there were three bomb threats this week that targeted drag uh, events um, and also an LGBTQ community center. And um, this is, you know, something that we've seen stuff like this before, you know, bomb threats being called in, but they're increasing in regularity. And I think, um, you know, what they're aiming to do is to intimidate and scare and stop LGBTQ events from happening and LGBTQ people from feeling safe in, you know, in their own spaces. Um, and it's, it's just the thing that I, that, that really I find annoying is these stories exist. I tend to find them in on LGBTQNation.com, which is a great resource. Everyone should be checking out this website. It's a, it's fantastic. Um, but this is cut and dry domestic terrorism. This should be being covered more broadly. The fact that there is regular domestic terrorism being committed against LGBTQ folks for existing, um, this should not be ghettoized to be just on, you know, a niche gay news website. I, it just, it strikes me as odd that you know um that there's there's so little appetite it seems in the mainstream media for covering domestic terrorism at all um it it really it only it it's only when something really extreme happens you know a a, a school you know some you know a shooter a mass shooter event or something but there's domestic terrorism against a lot of different groups happening day in and day out that is not covered at all, except in local and niche media. And I think that that's a shame because I think if, if this were all aggregated, there would be um, there would be an alarm that would be rising that there is a credible and constant domestic terrorism threat going on in this country right now. Yeah, it's it's uh I'm so burned out on this. I mean, I I don't understand why when we would never stand by and let another Oklahoma City bombing happen. You know, or if it did, we we would throw every resource at it. 
uh, just as we did, you know, what, how long has that been? 25 years? 20 years? Probably longer. That was the 90s, yeah, right? Mid-90s. Maybe 30 years. And we have become so desensitized to all of the gun violence and, I mean, we all talk about hor- how horrific it is and all that. And, you know, the things that have happened, like what happened at, at each of the schools that have been, sh- you know, had people show up and shoot at, shoot at people. And, and, yes, we've had people who've been alarmed at what has happened to um, LGBT people uh, in, you know, any number of hate crimes that have happened. In fact, uh, I w- was going to bring it to your attention because something came up the other day and somebody was talking about, uh, you know, uh, an event that was going to be happening here in another couple of weeks, which happens every year, which is National Coming Out Day. And it was, I think, the day before National Coming Out Day, I was at the San Francisco Fashion, or not Fashion, but Design Center with probably, I don't know, three, four hundred other people who were there for the Human Rights Campaign's San Francisco annual dinner that they had. Uh, and this was this was in uh, uh, 1998. And I remember Elizabeth Birch, who was the executive director of the Human Rights Campaign at the time, came up onto the podium and I was sitting, they had people sitting on the main level, and then it was like a big atrium. And so they had each level for the next, like, two or three floors up um, where people's tables looked out over the atrium and could see the stage and, you know, hear everything going on. And I think I was on the second floor. And Elizabeth gets up on the stage to the podium, and you could hear a pin drop when she came up to inform us all that she had just been informed that Matthew Shepard's life had come to an end. He was in the hospital in in, uh, Colorado. And, you know, and that started a whole new era of how we looked at hate crime in this country aimed at our community. And I was thinking about that. That's 25 years ago, next uh, two weeks from now. And it's hard to believe that, you know, he would be 46 years old, to, uh, you know, uh, today. Mm-hmm. And that so much time has gone by and how much has really changed. Not really a lot. And not just on the, on the you know, hate crimes towards uh, LGBTQ people, but towards you know, all sorts of people who are in marginalized communities. And I'm just, I'm so ready for us to do something that is so meaningful to those people who are trying to pull off um, these acts as though they're not what they are. They are terrorism, like you're talking about. They are domestic terrorism. And you know, we stuck a uh, needle in, uh, what's his name's arm? The guy who, uh, uh, McVeigh, who was the Oklahoma City bomber, but his partner in crime, Terry, 
I forget his last name now. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I forget, yeah. You know, he went where they belong. He went and is sitting underground in Supermax in Colorado. And that's where we need to put people who do this. You know, one of the things I, you know, heard about yesterday when they were talking about the violence that people on the right have been ascribing to and, and you know, kind of getting uh, worked up about because of our former president and his revving the, you know, the troops up uh, is that when you look at the manifestos of a lot of these people who have committed these atrocious acts of domestic terrorism, they don't care about being killed. In fact, that's what they're looking forward to. Basically, suicide by cop. Mm -hmm. And um, we need something that is far more measurable and not giving them what they want, but hurting them in a way that they have to experience hell on earth before they experience hell in, in person. So, just my thought on it. I, I'm, I'm just... I don't know. Did you watch John uh, Stewart's interview with the guy who is the uh, activist for, you know, he's a, some sort of a activist with some organization that basically represents the firearm industry and all that. And he basically tries to put the responsibility on the guns and not playing this game about, well, it's the people. And it was brilliant. Um, I thought I sent it to you, actually, Richie, on uh, Instagram. But if not, I'll I'll find it and, and forward it to you. It was, it's just such a powerful um, piece, and I'm glad that there's somebody in our in our uh, you know public sphere who is taking that to the mountain and trying to get people to be aware of these things and to call upon our so-called leaders to do something serious about these things. I don't know how we get anything done seriously in the House of Representatives anymore when we have this group of, of cartoon characters who are atrocious who let us all down as United States citizens because they just want to bring the whole system to the ground. Yeah, I mean that that's the that's I mean you bring up a really good point which is um you know there there's this nihilism um that is that is you know there's a nihilism in domestic terrorism it's basically just a kind of an antisocial psychopathic sociopathic kind of tendency that's really about just kind of you know exterminating any sense of peace that certain groups might want to have and how do you do how do how do you make that actionable when you have people who are elected officials who are basically espousing the same thoughts publicly openly on the floor of congress and on x or twitter or on blue sky or truth social or whatever day in and day out who just casually like like a Paul Gosar just kind of being like oh yeah like BT dubs you know Millie should be hanged yeah. that's you know when when that's the discourse that the elected officials are engaged in then how can you have any kind of reasonable response to you know 
civilian, you know, anonymous people saying the same kind of garbage and and calling in bomb threats or whatever. I mean, because basically, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is, you know, is about a whisper away from calling a bomb threat in on a drag, you know, happy hour. Yeah. Well, um, changing uh, directions here a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. before we end up out of this segment. Um, How many folks are watching the incredible uh, second, or I'm sorry, is it second? No, I think it's fourth season, actually, of the TV show Sex Education on Netflix. Uh, From the beginning, this has been a a really great show, and it's um, shot over in Britain, and um, it features, uh, as one of the main stars of this, uh, it features our... Uh, friend from from the uh, X Files. Um, why I'm just having my brain is having a major brain freeze this evening. Um, Scully. Uh, oh, Jillian Anderson. Jillian Anderson. Yeah, she's she plays the mom of uh, one of the main characters, and Otis, uh, played by uh, Eric Effiong. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He's the. That's. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's not right. Um, he plays the uh, fan favorite gay character. Eric does. Um, he's Otis's right hand man, and he's uh, all around fashion icon, uh, African uh, guy who uh, is just really playing this wonderful role and as others are in terms of trans representation in the show. And the director of the series is really, um, has really been proud of what they have um, done in terms of uh, weaving together these really great, very positive stories for trans people as well as uh, other, um, you know, queer and questioning uh, youth in this in this show, so um, there's a a lot of gender dysphoria that's represented in it, and uh, I think uh, anybody who is not watching it should at least give it a give it a try. And uh, if you haven't, if you've been a past viewer of the series and you have not caught the new season yet, I'm I am really uh, trying to be as disciplined as I can be because it's one of those shows that would be very easy to binge and I guess I sort of am binging because there's no way I can do it like one episode a week but I'm not watching any more than one episode in a day or night so um, (laughs) highly recommend that the director um, I was reading uh, is very very proud of uh, what they have managed to do with this uh, with this show and to uh, to give it um, a lot of, as they uh, said in the in a news story with the headline, um, uh, beautiful trans sex scenes and giving hope to LGBTQ plus fans. So um, check that out. Uh, you absolutely want to uh, see this program. Alyssa McClelland is the uh, she is the director 
that has been behind this and uh, they've just done a great job of queer representation on this program. And I, honestly, Richie, I know you don't like to um, get hooked into television product much, but I think that this series is definitely worth your while. They do a really, it's really a quality product. I mean, I definitely will. I mean, it, I, I read the article and, and it, it sounds very kind of like, you know, not soapy, but like there's like, it's very complicated. Like the article, I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't like there's so much going on in this yeah. with all these people, but <laughs> certainly sounds a lot better than um, than the non-binary representation on and just like that, because that was a doozy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to continue with more of the KBC happy hour. And uh, meanwhile, I will go and see if I can find a supplement that will make my brain work again. Um, <laughs> and uh, when Richie and I continue, we will be talking about um, the order of the day in Florida and, you know, the removal of books that have gay representation in them. And uh, one TV star who is putting out a very inclusive new children's book himself called Gorgeously Me. Stay with us. The Gay BC Happy Hour continues with or without pumpkin spice. Your taste, your show, and your humble hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> um, from that little brief, uh, brief diversion into the world of advertisement. Um, so, uh, yeah, what I was saying right before the break... <laughs> I, I I was Stockholm syndromed into watching and just like that, which is the Sex in the City spin-off show. And it has this non-binary character on it named Che, who was like the um if anyone watched The Simpsons, like the Poochie of characters, just this extremely unlikable character. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna do non-binary and we're gonna make it the most annoying situation possible um so i'm glad that sex education is is doing a better job because and just like that really did not <laughs> but um so yeah we talked earlier you know about schools and stuff you know as we talk about often here and um this story really you know pissed me off um a Florida school district ordered removal of all books with gay characters and then sort of slightly backed off, but not really very much. Um, so, Johnny, what what is going on here? Well, officials at a school district in the state that calls itself the Sunshine State, which mm. I think that they should first have to change their name to the uh, Thunderstorm State, um, <laughs> has said goodbye to all books or materials that have any characters or themes that are LGBTQ uh, from the classrooms and campus libraries uh, saying that that was needed to conform to a state law backed by our favorite governor, Mr. DeSantis, um, 
that, you know, we've been nicknaming Don't Say Gay. So anyway, this is going on in the Charlotte County School District, where their superintendent is a gentleman by the name of Mark Vianello. And Mr. Vianello has a cohort who is the school board's attorney by the name of Mr. Michael McKinley. And uh, librarians got together at a meeting in July and came before them to ask questions about uh, about this bill that is officially called the Florida Parental Rights in Education Act. And that was the action that the governor approved that required the removal of any books that had a gay character, but no explicit sex scenes. So, you know, be, I mean, now, is that even possible, Richie? Can now, you, can you have a, a, a gay character in a book without having explicit sex scenes? Well, now, but wait, because I, I actually want to, I want to, I want to push back on exactly how, how idiotic this is. Because the, the, the concept of the don't say gay bill is that there can't be any mention of sexual orientation or gender identity in thing. Okay, now hold on a second. You know what exists in every, almost every book, even for children? Straightness. That is discussion of sexual orientation. Like, like a story about like little, like little baby rat, you know, baby rabbit, you know, and baby fox or whatever. Right. Like, there is a lot of, there is a lot of sexual orientation in in all books it's just straight and so well you know that's that's normal that's not abnormal right but so this is it's a canard to say that there can't be any mention of sexual orientation or gender identity in books you know for children you know in schools what that means that is that is a fake statement because there is plenty of sexual orientation going on in many many books that are allowed what it is, it is straight sexual orientation. And so I think that that wording should really be challenged. Like, I mean, it just legally, I mean, it just, to me, it's what they're saying. I mean, if you took it seriously, if you actually took it seriously and said, okay, we're going to follow this law, any mention of sexual orientation or gender identity is prohibited, then almost every book would be disallowed. Yeah. Because any book that talks about a relationship, an adult relationship, any any book that 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 has a kid that has parents, well, that's a book that is mentioning a sexual orientation, which is to say that the that the protagonist has straight parents. It is a discussion of sexual orientation. And so what they're saying, I mean, it just it but, doesn't it doesn't pass the smell test and it's just stupid and it's obviously just prejudicial on its face because you can't actually like you can't tell stories at all, you know, without gen sexual orientation or gender identity being at least a background issue because straightness and cisness are sexual orientations and gender identities. So it's bullshit. What about if you came from a stork, not from a mommy or a daddy? 
well, you're probably you're probably from a, 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 a you know a mama stork and a dada daddy stork, okay. or you're an in vitro stork. I mean, either way, you're also sexual orientation still is existing there. Sexual orientation and gender identity are background noise to any human situation. Of course, it just it's just. It just it frosts me because no one is making like there's a forest for the trees. People are like, don't say gay bill. No, I mean, yeah, it's saying it's an don't say gay bill. Like, but people should be calling it out at for at being as mendacious as it is because it's it's pretending to be facially not discriminatory, but it obviously is. Oh, they're all just a bunch of fuckers. <laughs> well, there's been a little bit of backing off, but as you can imagine, not enough. We'll continue the conversation as we continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour. This September 28th, 2023 edition. I'm Johnny Mack with Richie Roy. Stay with us. Yeah. The Gay BC Radio Network presents the weekly public service. The Gay BC Happy Hour Seal of Approval. Does it fly or does it die? Products, services, and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off. Does the cup runneth over or has the well gone dry? Richie and Johnny, take it away. Well, before Welcome we back. get into that, Richie... I want to finish yeah. what we started at uh, the last segment, and then we'll come back to our uh, our GBC happy hour. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down a thon. So, um, as we were talking about a few moments ago, the story with the situation in Florida and the ongoing efforts to pull books that have any sort of LGBTQIA QIA plus. Um, representation in them off the shelves of uh, libraries and media centers in uh, schools that are, you know, public education uh, outlets in the state of Florida. Um, that's the downside of that story this week. But there was also an upside that we didn't get a chance to get to in our last segment, and that is that uh, one of the personalities from uh, – the Queer television Eye. series Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, um, Jonathan Van Ness has announced that he has uh, a book coming out, a new children's book called Gorgeously Me. And so I, um, he's dipping his toe into the world children's literature. And uh, this book is uh, going to be illustrated by Kamala Nair. And uh, he's best known, of course, as the exuberant hair and grooming specialist on the Netflix hit. Um, he's also a New York Times bestseller. He has a few books already under his belt. And uh, in 2019, he published a memoir uh, over, 
over-the-top, a raw journey of self-love, and that was followed up by a collection of raw and candid essays called uh, Love That Story, Observations from a Gorgeously Queer Life uh, back in 2022. So he um, released his first children's book, Peanut Goes for Gold, about a non-binary guinea pig who does everything with their own personal flair back in 2020 and now expanding uh, the children's book collection with their 2024 release, Gorgeously Me. And uh, this is, uh, I think it's a positive thing, and I think it's at the right time. Somebody who has uh, a built-in media base to get the word out there and, you know, and to, you know, put a, a different um, angle of this story out there at a time when I think it's really needed, especially at a time when, when drag queens are, you know, doing these, uh, you know, these storytelling things and are coming under fire, yet uh, people in communities, even very conservative communities, love it, love their work that they're doing to benefit kids and drive interest in in reading so um just wanted to share the uh positive the happy side of that kind of story yeah no it's 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 a it's worth mentioning because i think you know because because um i love jvn um and they're really um really such a like a positive voice and like on queer for you know queer eye um, JBN just sort of was the breakout star and really kind of like cuts through a lot of noise. And I think, I think doing a book like Gorgeously Me, it makes me think, you know, back, you know, one of my kind of idols is, um, is Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, and, um, who really was always, you know, guided by the principle of what, what do children need to hear, um, you know, in order to feel supported and feel heard. Right. And JVN, you know, um, uh, has that vibe, um, not just with children, but with, with adults too, is just really hearing people and kind of um, listening to them and giving them what they need. And so I'm totally, this is great. I mean, you know, a book, you know, by a non-binary author, that's sort of about being exuberantly yourself. What an amazing thing. And, you know, in this moment where books are kind of being, are, are this battlefield um, to, you know, for a book like this to be coming out is really great. So yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, seal of approval to that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually owe an apology because uh, I really kind of broke the, the rules around the uh, pronouns there because uh, JVN considers themselves a they there, not a he him. So, yeah, no, and and I just and I think and and JVN, you know, I I just from from everything I've seen, you know, takes everything in stride and and is just really gracious about. I mean, I just I'm such a I'm a, such a fanboy for JVN. Like, I <laughs> so I'm probably gonna get this book even though it is not. Um, targeted towards uh you know a 40 something <laughs> you know audience yeah. but um you know i do i do feel like it's worth supporting um but to go to our seal of approval or our um our seal of disapproval this week you know i tend to try to come in with the seal of approval this week i have a seal of disapproval 
Really? I do. I do. You're taking my my stand? I know. And I'm it's one I'm really bummed out about actually because um one of the things that I'm really interested in is electronic music. Um and Moog music, uh Moog who, you know, Bob Moog was is sort of a seminal figure in in synthesizers. Uh you know, you think about the Moog synthesizer. It's one of the kind of classics. You mean the Moog? What? You mean Moog? It's spelled Moog. It's pronounced Moog. But mm. yes, the the Moog, the mm. Moog or Moog. Mm. And um, he passed away a few years ago. But um, Moog Music, which is based in Asheville, North Carolina, was recently acquired by a conglomerate called In Music, which owns a bunch of companies, a bunch of brands. And they recently, in the past couple weeks, fired most of the people who were responsible for actually manufacturing the synthesizers in Asheville. And they are going to move most of the the um, assembly offshore. And it's it's just such a bummer because it's 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 a legacy. It's a legacy product. It was it was always proudly made in Asheville, and they're just sort of the the heart of sort of the Moog synthesizer and really synthesizers generally. I mean, like it's so important. Has just been kind of carved out and just you know a huge conglomerate kind of has acquired, scooped up, and destroyed. You know, a fifty or sixty year legacy. You know, just with a stroke of a pen. So that's yeah, I remember to me, how big that was in the 70s and 80s, but mm-hmm. especially in the 1970s, had such a huge impact on music back then. Yeah, and and continuing. I mean, I mean, Moog synthesizers are are absolutely a bedrock, and just to see to see a company, an American-made, a proudly American-made company, acquired by a conglomerate and just like quickly dispatched with and ruined, you know, in a matter of months, is just it's so emblematic of that kind of big private equity kind of model of just of just acquiring and destroying yeah. and just you know and just taking a brand and making it nothing it's just it's a huge bummer so um for me uh that's my my demerit of the week is moog synthesizers who are you going to give a thumbs up to this week ooh who am i going to give a thumbs up to this week um i hadn't even thought <laughs> Because <laughs> I was so pissed off, <laughs> I was just I was in a burn it down mode. Um, I will give a thumbs up to a local tea manufacturing company, um, Harney and Sons, out of uh, Mill. I think they're out of Millerton. Um, Millerton, I've gotten New really- York. What was that? Millerton is in New York. Yes. Okay. Um, because I've gotten extremely into tea recently, iced tea specifically. And they're, they make a million different varieties of tea. They're all really high quality. Um, they have a great website. Um, you can order various sizes and loose teas and bagged teas. And, um, I really think that, um, you can't go wrong. Um, you know, with iced tea is, is, is a great drink, um, whether black, green or herbal, 
and they have so many varieties and everyone should be drinking more iced tea. I mean, it's, it's better than soda. It's better than, you know, a lot of alcoholic beverages. It it's complex because there's often, you know, bitter notes or, um, you know, round notes or fruity notes. You can do a lot with tea and, I just, uh, you know, not surprisingly, uh, I love those fruity notes. Um, <laughs> but no, we have a lot of um, loose tea that we make here and, and make iced tea out of. It's, I would say, it's my favorite beverage. Yeah, yeah. It's quickly becoming mine too. I actually, I have a, you know, I have we, one of those Camelback bottles that has the little straw, the little squeezy straw that you kind of bite and you suck on. Yeah. which also has a kind of like oral fixation vibe to it. <laughs> but um, I basically keep it filled with, with iced tea at all times and just carry it around with me like a little security blanket at this point. You know what I think we should do is starting this next week, we should start um, adding to the gbchappyhour.com page a list of links and uh, information about all of the things that we end up recommending or, you know, I'm not going to put things we don't recommend up there, but, you know, definitely the things that we do so that people, especially when it's mom and pop or, you know, a more local business that does business on the web. So that people who are interested in those things can easily find their way to them and try them out themselves. I think that's a great idea. I mean, I love that. Um, and I know that coming up soon, we're going to be, trying out some um, dick-flavored potato chips so we can even put those up there if we don't hate them. Exactly. And actually, <laughs> I've been have, you know, I'll give a, I'll give a, a shout-out to a, a, a different potato chip, which is um, it, it's a brand, and I don't I'll, – I'll look, I'll, I'll look it up, and I'll bring it back for – maybe we'll put a link. But um, there's a Spanish company that has a, a f- line of gourmet potato chips, and actually, on the break, I went downstairs and I broke into a bag of Serrano ham flavored potato chips. Mm. And they are beguiling. They also have truffle chips, which are delicious. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, they make good chips there in Spain, I must say. Uh, I mean, I don't know how, how the dick flavored chips are going to be, but um, if they're anything like the Serrano ham flavored chips, I might, you know, be. Well, you know, I might be buying them again. We're planning to take a trip to uh, to Spain next year. Oh, so maybe um, next uh, early September, uh, about a year from now, um, we could all just go together and we could we could have uh, we could do some remote produced programs over there. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if nothing else, you can slip me into your uh, check-in uh, luggage and uh, I will join you. Okay. I don't know that I'd want to spend, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours in the luggage hold, but okay. So, <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, if you want to join us, uh, you're welcome to at 760-677-0111 if you have a product or service that you would like to tell us is absolutely worth your while. Uh, this week, my negatory uh, place that I'm going to is, it, it's not any surprise because I've bitched about them for years, but I don't know. My most recent experience was really extraordinarily awful too, and that was 
my local Walgreens. I had to go get my uh, COVID-19 vaccination. And uh, for those who don't know, this new one that has come out is the only one that really deals with this new variant, uh, which is running through uh, country after country like, you know, rapid fire. And it, it's just really kind of scary. I'm really staying away from people in general for the next couple of weeks while it takes hold. But uh, I've had like 10 friends who have gotten sick with this thing in the last couple of weeks, and it's really knocked them on their butt. And uh, as somebody who has some comorbidities, uh, not something I wanted to do. But I went in and I'd set up an appointment to go in and have my vaccine at Walgreens and uh, and it was just a nightmare from start to finish you know and and the shot itself you know is in and done and out in 30 seconds but I was in the store for almost an hour and I had an appointment and it just I am so sick and tired of that company and their lack of customer service so uh, I don't know. Uh, Walgreens can rot in hell all, as far as I can <laughs> care, you know. Anyway, enough uh, bashing anything. We're going to have our fun segment of each week coming up next. Richie's going to throw on his uh, bartender outfit, and we're going to have the mixology segment coming up. So stay with us. Homo mixologist Richie Roy and his ice cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the Gay BC Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at Gay BC, bottoms up. Hello and welcome back to the happy hour. <clears throat> we are uh, talking about beverages um, and I... I'm feeling the I'm feeling the fall, the autumnal chill in the air, and I'm feeling that autumn vibe. And I have to say um, that the the drink that is sort of uh, striking me right now is apple cider. And uh, specifically, there's actually sort of you know there's two variants. Obviously, there's apple cider. There's just the apple juice type of apple cider and then there's hard cider both are really good and um you know uh, the classic apple cider just the you know pressed apples um is great by itself uh it's also really good in mixed drinks um i i, I looked up a recipe for a um a cider spritz which is apple cider Aperol and Prosecco and a little splash of seltzer, um, which sounds amazing. But um, the, the, the cider that I'm really having fun with right now is hard cider. And I'm not talking about the kind of like angry orchard commodity ciders, which are very cloyingly sweet. They're, they're almost like candy and they're not very interesting. But um, I think, you know, at, at least here in upstate New York and New York State generally, there are a lot of smaller independent cider producers. And I know that, that cider is actually produced pretty broadly across the U.S. So 
look into local cider producers, uh, hard cider producers, because they're very interesting drinks. They're they're tangy. They're usually slightly effervescent. Um, they pair beautifully with many foods, um, and they're they're low alcohol content. So. You know, you can sip them. Um, you're not going to get trashed off of a little bit of cider, um, and they're kind of a nice, uh, you know, a nice alternative to wine because they have a you know a low alcohol content. They have the acidity, the kind of raciness, the complexity of like a nice white wine uh, with some with some fizz, and uh, they pair great with all kinds of things. So. I'm really on apple cider right now. Hmm. That's funny. I thought you told me that you were allergic to apples, though. So I am. So this is a good. I am allergic to raw to to apples, and like to eat an apple in the same way that I'm also allergic to stone fruits. So peach, pear. I mean, uh, peaches, nectarines, pluots, plums, cherries. Um, anything with a pit, um, and also apples, um, it's a, it's, it's actually not an uncommon allergy. Um, but it's Can't specifically you get that fixed. I mean, you're missing out on some of life's greatest the best wonders. ones, the best ones. I know I'm missing out on the best ones. I'm aware of that, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's specifically the raw fruit. So I can have a, you know, um, like, let's say a grilled peach. Or um, a plum jam, or a pie of any of those things, an apple pie. But it's the raw fruit that I can't have. I think there, it's it's. I think it's called something like fake Dutch elm uh, allergy, which is that there's there's some kind of chemical in those fruits that triggers an elm allergy. Um, it's actually also with raw almonds, weirdly enough. Um, but uh, but I can have apple cider. Um, and I can have all of those things, uh, if they're cooked, but yeah, so apple cider is, um, is a fun thing to look into. Um, you know, up here we have these great apple orchards in New York, but, um, I know obviously in the Pacific Northwest apples are huge. So I'm sure there are, um, yeah, great. Basically, uh, you know, in upstate New York and in, uh, Wenatchee, Washington mm-hmm. are the real apple producers of the United States. And um, lots of great varieties. Yeah, yeah, and so. But it makes me cry for you that you can't enjoy a fresh picked peach. I know, I know, it's terrible, Um, but such is life. What I can enjoy is a freshly picked grapefruit. So, (laughs) as as winter approaches, um, I will be seeking out the uh, choicest citrus that I can find. Well, when you're here for the uh, Gay BC Happy Hour pool party at Pride in Palm Springs coming up in a number of weeks, you'll be able to take a look and see how the uh, how the crop is coming in for this winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, want to let our friends know again that uh, that we do have that new website and it's gbchappyhour.com. Please uh, share that with your friends. Uh, 
it's not the only thing that's new. Um, and it would be really nice for us to be able to beef up our following on social media because we've just created all new social media sites for the happy hour. And uh, by your doing that and being able to share the discovery of your favorite podcast or one of them, I won't say that we are the favorite, uh, it would be great if you could let people know that we are on social and it is GBC uh, Happy Hour uh, on, on Facebook. It is GBC Happy Hour on, on X, formerly Twitter. It is GBC Happy Hour on Instagram as well. So all of those channels, we're just in the process of getting them built up. And the best way to do that is to have our friends uh, follow us there and share stuff as we get it out and get it posted. We haven't put a lot up yet, but it's because we've only had them in service now for about a week. So I hope you'll definitely do that and help us spread the word of what we're trying to do here on the GBC Happy Hour. And both our live stream, which happens every Thursday from uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Time, uh, that happens each week uh, although we will be off of a live broadcast the week of Thursday October the 12th uh, we will pre-record that show it will be available you'll be able to hear it on our on our live stream channel but it will not be an actual live show uh, that week the show will go up uh, and be available uh, from podcasts uh, whatever podcast source you go to whether it's off of our site or it is um, on uh, like Apple Podcasts or uh, you know Stitcher or Spotify or others. Uh, just note that uh, that will be up and updated by the time we would normally go on the air live. On live nights, we generally have it up within a half hour following the show. So like uh, if you're listening to Thursday's live program, it will be up by 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 uh, Eastern Time after the show as a downloadable podcast from any of those sources, plus our homepage at, uh, at gbchappyhour.com. It's true. We'd love and, to have um, you, you know, get us and, and share us. Yeah, and and especially, um, you know, if, if you happen, because, you know, this has been an exciting week um, for those of us uh, who are Apple fans. The new iPhones came out. So if you're listening to us on a new iPhone, especially in a 15 Pro, uh, which I think is made of titanium, um, congratulations. <laughs> I'm still on an iPhone 11, believe it or not. I, I've i been kind of like holding out, and I, I think it might be time to get a new one. But... Um, uh, I'm waiting to kind of let the let the kinks be figured out of of that. But um, and others, by the way, uh, Richie, who are interested in the newest technology or thinking about uh, some high tech gadgets and goodies for the holiday season as gift giving ideas or even asking for toys themselves, uh, we're going to be able to do that and look at a lot of LGBTQ entertainment on the uh, episode that we're going to air on October the twelfth. Uh, that we will be uh, releasing on that day. Um, our special guest is going to be uh, Tom Riley, who has been with us before. And Tom 
is with TED conferences, and he has been a Silicon Valley uh, loyalist and uh, employee for many, many years. So we'll look forward to having him here. He's kind of a gadgets and gizmos expert. So looking forward to doing that coming up on the October 12th edition of the GBC Happy Hour. We love gadgets and gizmos. Yeah. We we are big fans of that here. I just um I just <laughs> replaced the light bulb in my refrigerator with an LED light bulb. I feel like I've moved into the future. Wow. Um, <laughs> How bright is your food now? Oh, glaringly bright. It's great. <laughs> I can see everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, so yeah. Definitely. Uh, take take a look at apple cider. Um, you know, I I really do think that it is a fun drink. Um, and even even the non-alcoholic version is delicious. Um, especially I think um, you know the the kind of standard apple cider. I like it with seltzer, um, because it can be pretty sweet. But, uh, you know, try it out. See what you think and let us know. Um, give us a call next week and uh, let us know what drinks you've been having uh, with apple cider. Richie, have a great week. You too. Thank you. And I'll see you on the next edition of the GBC Happy Hour. Until we get together again, may your shadow fall in pleasant places. Have a great night. <laughs>